Welcome to the realm of Mark Talk. Not only that, you are entering the whelm, whelm, realm. Not even going to edit that out. Going to leave it in. But not only are you entering the realm of Mark Talk, you are entering the realm of Mark of Thrones. That's right. Just as I promised before, we are going to talk about and we are going to recap this new season of Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. No, it is already here. Nay, episode one has come and gone. We are finally in it. We are in season eight, the final season. We're in the end game now. I know that's a crossover, but stay with me. So not only is winter coming, spoilers are coming. So I I will be going into this episode in-depthly. So if you haven't seen episode one of season eight of Game of Thrones, maybe put this on pause, go watch it, come back, and let's discuss. To be honest with you, uh, I can't imagine, if if you're listening to my show and you don't watch Game of Thrones, I can't imagine... uh, that you don't, but I've been, uh, you know, (laughs) it has been revealed to me that several people that I know do not watch it or have not watched it. And they, I guess they're either waiting for the whole series to end so that the hype can die, can die down, or they just have no desire to watch it. And I don't understand those kinds of people, but you know what? It's fine. The show's not for everybody. The rest of the population might disagree, but that's fine. There are even people out there that do not care about the uh, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to them, I just don't understand. Maybe they just don't enjoy fun movies. But it's fine. You do you. I will do me. And as such, I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones. So... What do we say to the God of Spoilers? Not today, except for today, we do. So there you have it. There's your spoiler warning. Uh, Come back or, or don't. I'd prefer that you did, but one does not always get what one wants. And a man knows this. So there you are. And if you're still with me, it's time. Let's let's dive right into episode one of season eight, titled Winterfell. You know, it's funny we we didn't get the uh, the name of the episode until well after the episode had uh, had been broadcast. At least I I watch it on HBO Go. You know, it's a little little app on my uh, on my Apple TV, and. At least on HBO Go, they didn't have the title of the episode until way, way later. So that was kind of interesting. I'm not sure how it went down for other people watching it on, you know, cable, satellite, whatever. But I thought that was kind of funny, kind of interesting that they did that. Uh, And right away, we know that we are getting into something uh, uh, special because they changed the intro the little intro uh, animation that uh, shows us the realm of Westeros, uh, or even Essos, 
what we can expect. You know, that's that's what's so brilliant about those intros. Every one of them are specific to the locations that we're going to be visiting in said episode. And you know, whenever it changes, we get to see different areas on the map. In this intro, we start at the north and we go south. And right away we see a big hole in the wall and we follow that hole to where it goes and that that's just <laughs> right away it goes, yeah, yeah, uh, th- this is bad by the way, in case you, you weren't aware or in case you forgot, this is bad. The wall has been breached. The dead are coming. Or the dead are in Westeros. It ain't winter coming. It's uh, it's death. Death is coming for everyone in the Seven Kingdoms. And we follow it out in that intro. I don't want to spend too much time on the intro. I just thought it was really, really cool. We get to see kind of some new uh, uh, animation sequences within it. But, but we get to follow... We follow our perspective through uh, House the uh, the House Umber Castle. I believe it's called the Last Hearth. All the way to Winterfell. We even get to get a little deep dive into the crypts. All the way to King's Landing. We we get to see the dungeons where the where the dragon skulls are. And the little uh, I don't know what you would call them above the sun those little those little rings those bands that have the uh it's like a tapestry of the history certain histories of Westeros we're used to seeing part of the doom of valyria and the uh the 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 fall of the mad king but in this sequence on the tapestries we get to see the things that we have been privy to as audience members we see uh, we, we, we see the dragons. We see the dragons flying overhead. We see a flayed man holding the head of a king, holding the head of a wolf, actually, which we know that's that's Rob and you know a lion chewing on a fish. It's interesting, subtle things there. Interesting stuff. Very cool. It's, I think it's very cool that they uh, they gave us that for this last season. I'm, I'm curious to see if uh, that intro changes anymore as the season wears on. And right away, we get into the thick of it. We get a an exact parallel from season one with the arrival of King Robert and the Royal Guard charging into Winterfell, not charging, but marching into Winterfell. We got that royal music done beautifully by Ramin Dwadi. But this time it's all the unsullied, all the Dothraki. And it's John and Danny and the dragons. And we get to see this perspective from Arya who's just, you know, standing in the crowd, got a front row seat. She's not scrambling on top of, uh, you know, a carriage or trees. She's not climbing trees. There is a little boy climbing a tree to see. But she is in the thick of it and right up front. She's not missing this. She's not missing the chance to see her long-lost brother, quote-unquote, brother, John, coming home. She's not going to miss that. And she sees him. 
There's a great moment where she sees him and she looks like she wants to call out to him, but she doesn't. And she also sees the hound, Sandor Clegane. It's interesting, man. She she has this look of uh, not fear or panic, but a sense of what the hell is he doing here and how is he alive? We even get a moment later. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but let's just let's just do it. We get a moment later where where he see uh, uh, he is uh, getting a new axe forged by Gendry. Gendry, our 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 favorite uh, our favorite bastard born from Robert, our our the blacksmith. He's in Winterfell and he is forging weapons from dragon glass and he's doing a good job too and he, he he tells the hound he said you know it's not easy doing this you know he, he's looking for his uh <laughs> he's looking for compliments he came to the wrong guy for compliments you know sandor doesn't he doesn't dish out compliments ever and he doesn't care much for people who are looking for him but Arya, she's there and they have a, uh, the Hound and her have a little uh, kind of a silent, not so silent, but uh, kind of just this uh, confrontation without much words. But it ends with Sandor, you know, I guess dishing out the only compliment he, he can muster by saying, oh, you're a cold hearted bitch, aren't you? But I guess that's why you're still alive. I guess that's his own kind of weird way of saying, you know what? You're still alive. I respect that. What you did to me was kind of shitty, but but you did it, and we're both alive. So it's fine. It's fine, because I'm not your enemy. I have never been your enemy. Hate me all you want. It's fine. But we're going to be fighting together, so get over it. At least that's the subtext I'm reading into, without them so much as uttering that many words. And I know everyone is talking about all these uh, reunions happening, and they're all heartfelt, and they're all interesting and cool, but I gotta say, they didn't play it up very big, but Arya seeing Gendry and them coming together in the the armory... It's the first time they've seen each other since season three. Arya was probably pretty sure Gendry was taken away to die. Well, he was taken away to die. She thought the uh, the Red Woman was going to burn him alive. She very nearly did. But there he is, still alive, thanks to our Onion Knight friend, Sir Davos. And I don't think Gendry ever expected to see Arya alive either. Or at least I don't think he expected to see her at all. Not after being taken away and then fleeing to uh, to the capital again. I don't think he ever thought she would uh, make an appearance in his life again. But there she is. And they both, uh, they're both they both so awkward because they don't know how to talk to each other. They, they don't know how to express their feelings. You know, Arya's kind of, uh, kind of closed off a bit being who she is. And Gendry's just, well, Gendry's Gendry. <laughs> he's, a, he's a smith. He's not a talker. 
but it was cute. It was a cute, uh, cute little chat they had. You know, he calls her Lady Stark. She says, don't call me that. He said, as you wish, my lady. And, you know, ha ha ha. And she asks him, hey, can you make this uh, particular weapon for me? And I don't know what that weapon is going to be. If I had to guess, it's uh, based on the little snippets in the trailer. It looks like she's fighting with a staff of some sort, which would make sense because back in the previous seasons when she was in Bravos training to be a faceless man, and when she was blind, she learned how to fight blind with a staff. Or a stick, whatever you want to call that. I'm going to call it a staff. She learned how to fight with that. She got uh, pretty darn good with it as well. And that was when she was fighting blind. I wonder if she's going to uh, just tie a piece of cloth around her eyes and start fighting the dead blind. Oh, please don't do that. Please don't do that. That just has bad written all over it. But I do think she's asked Gendry to make her a staff with dragon glass on the ends of it. Maybe it's even big enough to where she can uh, stick needle in there or something. I don't I don't know. But I'm excited to see this new weapon. And I'm excited to see her and Gendry just uh, fighting beside one another. I'm assuming he's going to... Uh, get into the battle and forge a new hammer and just wreck some just wreck shop but speaking of reunions and speaking of Arya John and Arya by the heart tree so much so so many feelings so i mean it just you got to you got to remember these are the the two members of the Stark family that cared about one another the most. I mean, you could say John had a good relationship with all of his siblings, minus Sansa, and he, you know, it was it was clear that him and Rob were very close. I mean, they're practically the same age. They grew up together. They're brothers, well, quote unquote brothers. And we know John loved Bran as well. You know, that's that's you know that's his. That's his little brother. And he get, he didn't get a lot of time with Rickon, but, you know, John cared about Rickon as well. He cared about all of them. But Arya, she had good standing with her brothers. Not so much Sansa, but it was John she truly cared for because those two were the, the outcasts of the kids. At least they felt that way. John for sure was. Arya didn't want to do all the lady and the girl things. She wanted to uh she wanted to hang with the boys. She wanted to do the fun stuff. The boys get to do the fun stuff. I want to do that. I will do that. I'm a better marksman than even Bran. And so John and her found a kinship with one another. And you know, of course, Let's not forget Needle. John even see he mentions that when uh, he sees Arya in that episode. In this episode, it's like, wow, you still have it, and of course she still has it because Needle is her connection to John. He gave her that sword. It's it it has sentimental value. She got rid of everything in her life that tied her to being Arya Stark when she went to Bravos to be a faceless man. Except she didn't get rid of Needle. She tried to. And she couldn't do it. 
She hid it away. And she probably resolved herself to thinking, you know, I'm, I'm never going to reach for that sword again, but I don't, I don't think it belongs, you know, in the, in, in the sea. So I'm going to put it over here, you know, for emergencies. I don't know. And I'll just go be nobody. Except for a girl is not no one. A girl is Arya Stark, and she knew it. And the moment she resolved herself that, you know what, I can't be a faceless man. I can kill people, but I can't be a part of this order because I'm not no one. She immediately goes to the hiding spot, digs up Needle again, and they haven't been separated since. That's her connection to who she is. That's her connection to family, her connection to John. And they have a really great moment. She even uh, she defends Sansa pretty hard even when John wants to go like ah Sansa she she doesn't like uh, Daenerys and she thinks she's smarter than everybody and and Arya kind of surprises him she says actually no she's the smartest woman I've ever she's the smartest person I've ever met and she's trying to defend our family. Now I gotta say something here. Is Sansa? trying to do what's best for the family yes she absolutely is is she trying to do all the decisions all the things she's saying is she trying to do what's right for the north in general I would say yes but she contradicts John at every step of the way every decision John is trying to make or every decision he does make, everything he is resolved to get on, she contradicts him. She nags him. But the thing is, is what is are the decisions John's making for the good of his family and for the North? Yes. Yes, they are. So there's really no no one's in the wrong in this situation but you gotta when you when you sit back as an audience member and you watch these two bickering with each other about certain decisions that they're trying to make you want to yell at one of them and I gotta be honest it's not John I want to yell at well not always because we know how important having Daenerys on their side is. We know how strong her force is. We know that the dragons need to be there to help win the battle for the dawn. And then you got Sansa and you got the rest of the North people going like, we don't trust her. She's a, she's a Targaryen. We don't have uh, good standings traditionally with Targaryens. They just want to burn everything. John said, no, not this one. This one's different. She doesn't look different. She doesn't seem different. We called you a king. We wanted you to be our king, and you bowed to her. And John says, yeah, I bowed to her because she saved my life. John took a few men with him north of the wall to bring back a white to show as proof. That mission was not a good idea. And they lost people. 
They didn't lose as many as they probably should have. But they lost Thoros of Mir and they lost, uh, you know, those other, we'll call them red shirts because we, we didn't get to meet them. And John, that whole group, they were dead. They were done for. But luckily, he had the right sense before that to send Gendry back to Eastwatch to get a raven out to Daenerys saying, please come help us. And she did. Did she lose a dragon in the process? She did, yes. And that sucked. And now the dragon's one of them, and that sucks. That's not good. I don't know what I don't know what's what's going to happen with that. But wouldn't you bend the knee to the dragon queen after that? After having your life saved? After seeing what she can do with these dragons? Seeing how invaluable invaluable her, her assets are. And the fact that she has the most massive army Westeros has ever seen. What was it John was preaching to them last season? We need allies because what we have is not enough. So I'll go meet with the Dragon Queen and I'm going to see if I can make an ally out of her. And turns out he did. And now the North people are all salty about it. In the episode, they get us. They get a raven from uh, House Glover, one of the northern houses, who say, "You know what? We're gonna stay home, but we wish you good fortune." This is the same house that refused to help Sansa and Jon to win back Winterfell from the Boltons. This is the same house when after. John and Sansa win back Winterfell. They say, you know what? We didn't stand behind you in this battle, and we'll regret that, and we're sorry, and you know what? We'll call you, John, King of the North, and we'll stand behind you as we have for a thousand years, and they don't even show up for this last battle just because, what? John left to go make an ally? Salty, shifty bastards, the North people. And as uh, John and Danny and her army are coming into Winterfell through the north, they're getting eyeballed by all the Northerners because they just they don't like it. They don't trust it. They don't. They don't trust this girl. She's a Targaryen. She's a dragon queen. She'll be the end of us all, just like uh, history has shown us. Right? We'll be kneelers again. I guess we are kneelers because our king, Jon Snow, knelt. And I get that. I get that that's uh, that's a problem, but uh, but we the audience know that that's probably the best decision. Until of course we get the big reveal that we're already privy to, but John is finally made aware of who he is by Samuel Tarley. Samwell's still in Winterfell. He uh, he gets to meet Queen Daenerys to thank him for saving Sejora. And it all seems all well and good, except for we know what's probably about to happen next, and sure enough, it does. She informs him, Oh, you're from House Tarly. Yeah, about that. So your father, Randall, he wouldn't bend the knee, so I executed him. 
And Sam says, oh, well, that kind of sucks, I guess, but my father was kind of a son of a bitch, so yeah, at least I'll be able to go home now because my brother's the Lord, right? Yeah, about that. Yeah, your brother wouldn't kneel either, and he stood with your, with your father, so double whammy. And Sam does not take that news very well. I mean, say what you will about Dick on Tarly. We, we didn't get a lot with him, but he was, he was not a bad guy. And Sam always had a good relationship with his brother. So that, hearing that, yeah, it's understandable. He would take that news really, really bad. So as such, and at the bequest of Bran... And we'll get to Bran. Don't worry. I, I got things to say. Sam goes to John and says, Look, Queen Daenerys shouldn't be queen. You should. You should be the king of all of us. Because you've always been the king. Because you, Jon Snow, your mother is Lyanna Stark. Your father is Rhaegar Targaryen. Your name is Aegon Targaryen, the sixth of his name and the true heir to the Iron Throne. Ned Stark, he may have lied to you all this all this time, but he did it to protect you, to keep Robert from killing you for being a Targaryen. He made a promise to his sister Lyanna to always look out for you. Samwell tells him as much. Yeah, I know that's a lot to take in. And you can tell John really doesn't know how to process that information. But he knows Sam is not lying to him. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. And I'm willing to bet at some point, House Reed will rise up, join the North... We'll get to see Mira again, but I think ultimately we'll get to see Howland Reed, her father. The only other person alive who would know the truth about Jon Snow. Because he was there at the Tower of Joy with Ned when Jon was born. And he's held that secret for so long. He's gotta come. I mean, he, he's he's gotta show up. He's he's just he's just gotta. I know we don't have a lot of time and left in the show, but he's gotta show up at least once. As further proof. Oh yeah, yeah, I was there, man. That's it's totally true. And we know all this, and 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 now we're really asking the questions of uh, what's what's gonna happen with that. What's he going to tell Daenerys? He already said to Sam, he's like, look, I appreciate what you're telling me, but Daenerys is our queen, and to say she shouldn't be is treason. But Sam says, but it's the truth, man. And it is the truth. So what can Jon do? What will he do? But I'll tell you what he'll do before that. He does the the thing that we've all, all of us fans have been kind of fantasizing about, speculating about. 
and pretty much uh, uh, the, the trailer nearly confirming it, but now this episode further confirms it, we get to see John ride a dragon. Not only that, he rides Rhaegal, the dragon named after his own father, his biological father. <laughs> that scene is great. Is it a little bit uh, uh, cheesy? Yes, but how many times do we get cheesy moments in Game of Thrones? We're not allowed those moments. It's not the show for it, but this moment is great. And I'm pretty sure it's a signal of things to come. We get to see John and Danny on two dragons riding together, flying through the air. John, John, it's it, it dragon riding has made him uneasy. He says it uh, it ruined riding a horse for him. But it won't be the last time we see it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it'll be John who jumps up on a dragon to fight the Night King on top of the new White Walker edition of Viserion. I guarantee it. I don't think it'll be Danny. I think something will happen to prevent that. But I think John will at some point jump up on maybe Drogon, but probably Rhaegal. He'll ride that dragon and he'll fight in an aerial battle. I really think it's going to happen. Man, I am so here for it. Now, the thing about Bran. Bran... Look, okay. I've been seeing a lot of things. People are not crazy about how Bran has be, you know, becoming this three-eyed raven and how he's just become this emotionless void of a of a person. And I got news for you. Bran is not human anymore. As the three-eyed raven, he's he's long since said goodbye to Brandon Stark. And he's made that very clear. It's not that he has no emotion. He's just... he. He's got so much going in his head. And I don't understand why people aren't uh, grasping this concept. Brandon Stark no longer exists. He is the Three-Eyed Raven. And the Three-Eyed Raven is not a human. It's something else. I didn't hear anyone complaining about the the uh, the previous Three-Eyed Raven and how emotionless that person was. Because you weren't supposed to. Because the Three-Eyed Raven is not a person. The Three-Eyed Raven is a green seer. It's something otherworldly. The knowledge all encompassed in this thing. This 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 uh this form, if you will. Bran is still in a human body, but he is no longer human. So yeah, he's not going to showcase a bunch of emotions or if if it, it not not at all. He's not going to he's not going to be full of emotion because to have emotion is to be human, which he is not anymore. I don't understand how people aren't grasping this concept. He is now the version of himself he was always going to be. Just deal with it. Understand that, yeah, he acts weird because he's not a human. All the non-humans act weird. The dragons act weird. 
The dire wolves act weird. We only think it's weird because we're not used to it because we are not those beings. We're humans and we don't understand shit. So get over it. Everyone, just stop complaining about the things Brand says or does because he's not of this world anymore. Not really. And he, he has to tell people, and I guess he's telling the audience as well because the audience, you guys just aren't getting it. I'm not Brandon Stark. It's like, I'm not a man anymore. Like, I remember what it's like to be Brandon Stark, but I'm not. I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. I'm this, this, this. It's like, yeah. I guess he's just going to have to keep telling people that because people just aren't getting it. I've seen, I've seen a bunch of reactors and you know all these YouTube channels, and they all have complaints about Bran. It's like, what kind of crack is he smoking? They're like, what's wrong with Bran? Why is he so weird? Like, because he's not Bran anymore. He's the three-eyed raven. My God. The previous three-eyed raven was once a man named Brendan Rivers or Blood Raven. You can look into your histories about him. But if you read about Brendan Rivers back then compared to what we know of him as the Three-Eyed Raven, those are completely different things. You know why? Because once you're the Three-Eyed Raven, you cease to be the man you were. You cease to be a man at all. I personally like uh, having Bran as as the uh, the oracle, the seer, the guy that knows what's going on at all times, the conveyor of information. You need him around. He very well could save everybody by just telling him the things that he knows. We'll see. We will see. And while I'm on the hot top topic of uh, triggering people here's here's another thing so what's going on in King's Landing well the Golden Company's arrived Cersei has her her army not the elephants she kind of <laughs> she kind of has a moment of of uh, excuse me what I was promised elephants and dude's like yeah well you know you we can't we can't put them on boats for a long time. It's just not the way it works. You know how big elephants are? It's not It's not plausible. We don't have those kinds of ships. We don't have Titanics. If we had ships the size of the Titanic, multiple ones, then yeah, you'd have your elephants. Maybe. But I think, honestly, the uh, <laughs> the, the subtext is... Yeah, elephants weren't in the budget. But it's funny to watch her react. She's like, well, I really wanted those damn elephants. Fine. Fine, it's fine. And then something happens. So, you're on Greyjoy. He's all, you know, I've you know, I've done all these things for you. And you haven't really uh, shown me any affection. I thought, you know. I thought we were going to get friendly. And she says, yeah, you know, our agreement was when the war's over, then we can do this. Then then you'll have what you want. He's all, yeah, well, you know, wars last a long time, and this one probably will. And I don't really feel like waiting. And Cersei says this line, which is a great line. Don't get it. Don't get me wrong. She says, if you want a whore, go buy one. 
but if you want a queen, earn her. Great line. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, mostly women saying, oh my God, I'm using that line. I'm going to use that line. He's just like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to base my life on that line. And I would agree. Except here's the problem. Cersei immediately contradicts that statement by immediately walking away, but then stopping when Euron says, yeah, but how? I mean, you, you need to show me affection because I've done all these things for you. What, what am I to do? I'm so heartbroken. He whines about it. And then she immediately invites him to her bed. If you want a queen, earn her. And then immediately goes, except, eh, yeah, sure, okay, let's do this. How does that work? How how can you, you can't use that line now. It's like, that, that line is meaningless because she didn't stand behind it. Ladies, you know I love you, but come on, that... Do not, I mean, I know I'm just, I'm just going to be seeing that quote floating for the next year. I guarantee it of women just going, aha, this is my way of life. This is my philosophy. If you want a queen, earn her. It's like, okay, yeah, except for the woman who said it holds no merit because she completely contradicted herself immediately after saying this. So if you're going to believe it, if you're going to live your life based on that line, mean it. But, uh, you know, in this context, I don't think it holds any merit. It's just like, come on, grow up, you guys, grow up. I still say Cersei is lying about her pregnancy. She's drinking wine. She's taking a new man into her bed. If she is pregnant, she's probably pregnant now with Euron's kid. But I don't think she's going to live long enough to see it. I don't think we're going to see it. I think Cersei's going to die before that baby remotely comes out. If there is a baby. I'm not convinced. We get to see the last hearth. We get to see that House Umber has been just decimated by the White Walkers. They left behind one of their symbols made out of uh, body parts and corpses. But we get to see Tormund Giants Bane and Beric, Sir Beric, they made it. They made it off of Eastwatch okay and they've, they've traveled a good distance to get to that spot because they're on their way to Winterfell because they, I mean, where else are they going to go? John even says, get word to the Night's Watch to come down here because there's no point in manning those castles. And they're on their way. And based off the preview of the next episode, they make it. But I think they make it only barely in time. But this episode ends with the arrival of, as Bran put it, an old friend. And it's Jamie Lannister. He makes it into Winterfell. And he thinks, okay, I made it. I'm here. I got to go talk to people. But why is that kid in the wheelchair staring at me? Oh, wait a minute. 
we get this long, drawn-out exchange of looks between Bran and Jamie. And Jamie has this look of kind of horror and realization on his face because what is he supposed to say? What is he supposed to say to Bran in that moment? What is he supposed to say to Bran at all? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to find out. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, everyone else reacts. Because I, I remember saying a long time ago, Jamie's not going to be welcome at Winterfell. Not, not the way that we think he should. Because he's still Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer. He's still the guy that uh, conspired with the Boltons to get the Red Wedding to happen. He's still got a lot of skeletons in his closet and all of them happen to be uh, involved with the North in some way. And then you throw in Daenerys on top of that, like, oh, so this is the guy who killed my father. And she doesn't want to be her father. She's not trying to be the Mad Queen. She has no love for her father she never knew. But she's... You think about it. She, she's grown up with stories from her brother about the man who killed their father, the king. And you got to imagine that's going to paint a serious portrait in her mind. Let's also not forget when she came down and destroyed the caravan coming out from Highgarden... With Jamie at the head of it. Jamie tried to kill her at the last bit of the battle. And he came very close, except for, oh wait, there's a dragon right there. <laughs> so the last time she saw Jamie, well, the last time she saw him was in the dragon pit, but still, she's got that. Uh, that vision in her mind of Jamie charging at her, ready to kill her. So that 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 might uh, uh, be kind of a, a prickly thing. But also, you're the guy that killed my father. Here, you know, I, I have these stories that I've been uh, that I've heard about you. And now you're in the north, surrounded by people who hate you. With the one exception being Tyrion. And sadly, Jamie's going to, uh, it's, 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 it's kind of two bad scenarios. One, Jamie shows up and he's Jamie. So the people already hate him Two, He shows up and says, you know what? Also the Lannister army is not coming because Cersei double crossed you all, but Hey, I'm here. I'll help. They're not going to want his help. I wouldn't be surprised if they throw him in the dungeon. Like, immediately but maybe Tyrion speaks up for him and goes at least let him fight with us because worst case scenario he fights the dead and he loses and he dies and then what's it to you or he fights he helps us out and he survives that could be a great asset to us after uh, this is done and we have to deal with Cersei Maybe uh, Brienne speaks up for him. 
Or maybe John just decides, you know what? We don't have time to throw people in the dungeons. We just don't. It, we don't. We can't. We. It doesn't matter. None of it mattered. I mean, that's kind of that's one of the things John's kind of harking harkening back to in this episode. Is like none of this, these titles, these things, none of this matters. It doesn't matter who's king and queen right now. What matters is that we survive. We can figure all that petty shit out later. We have to survive. So that's when I get so upset with the way Sansa's handling things and the way da- even Daenerys is sometimes handling things. And you'd think at this point Daenerys would know better. But she's still got that fiery spirit about her. And she said, why won't people treat me respectfully here? I'm, the, I'm trying to save them and I'm the queen. They should bend the knee. And John's like, look, these are North people. And also, none of that matters right now. Let's just fight the army of the dead, let's win, let's survive, and we can figure out all the shit afterwards. If they see you fight against the enemy, then they'll respect you. So that's all she's got to do. That's all she can do. And all we got to do is sit back and watch and pray to the old gods and the new that our favorite heroes make it out of this battle alive. So those are my thoughts. That's a kind of a quick recap. Well, not so quick. This is a long episode, but it's all right. I'm going to be doing these every week after each episode for the next six weeks. Well, five weeks now. And we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones. But do me a favor. Let me know your thoughts. Go to your favorite uh, podcasting formats. Give this a listen. Like it. Rate it. Share it. Whatever you want. Give me a holler on Twitter at MarkTheBat. I'm also on Instagram. You can find the uh, page for the show at MarkTalkPodcast. Or you can find me at MarkTheBat on Instagram as well. The Great War is coming. And it is here. I am ready.